0: It's hard to believe that we've already come through all of 2023. <laughs> and tomorrow we begin 2024. That's kind of the way life is, you know, it just keeps moving right along. Yeah. Moving along. Today we fa- we look at another portion of our series on Christmas. Christmas begins with Christ and... Uh, I know there's a lot of uh, folks that are not here because they're traveling and whatnot, but I got to tell you that in preparation, there's stuff that I found out for this week and this study today that just blessed my socks off, and I hope that you are blessed as well. Let's pray before we start. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the opportunity, and we ask that you would speak to our hearts. Draw us close to you. Make us aware of you and what you want to do. Change us, Father. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're talking about Tabernacle Amongst Us. Tabernacle. The Hebrew word for tabernacle is mishkan, means dwelling place, dwelling place. Uh, It was the earthly dwelling place of God, the sanctuary where God manifested his presence and communicated his will. That's what the tabernacle was for. It was also a place for God's people to gather to meet with him. It was not only called the tabernacle, it was also called the ohel mo'id, the tent of meeting, the tent of meeting. It was, first of all today, in your notes, it was a place for God to meet with his people, a place for God to meet with his people. Look at Exodus 25 verses 8 and 9. says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show you. That is, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings just so you shall make it. While the people were in rebellion, Moses was on the mountain. Moses was getting the Ten Commandments from God. Excuse me. Moses was getting the Ten Commandments of God from God as well as the details concerning the temple, how to construct it, and all of that. Now we know from Scripture that God appeared to Abraham in visions, God wrestled with Jacob, God spoke to Moses, and God led the Israelites through the desert with pillars of cloud and fire. Very interesting. Cloud and fire, cloud by day and fire by night. And uh, the people wouldn't move until it was time for them to move. And they knew it was time to move because the, the cloud would rise above the tabernacle and it would be a sign to them to pack it up. Time to move. So God appeared to Abraham, Isaac. God did many, many things But God wanted to meet with them and have a place to regularly communicate with them. Setting up camp started with the tabernacle in the middle and then surrounded by the various tribes. And they were all given direct instruction as to where they were supposed to be uh, surrounding the, the tabernacle. The Israelites served God in the tabernacle. Through sacrifices of animals, through incense, through showbread. Within the tabernacle, the priests would light the seven-branched menorah daily, which would symbolically bring divine light into the tabernacle. It says in Exodus chapter 29, verses 42 to 46, There I will meet you and speak to you. There also I will meet with the Israelites, and the place will be consecrated by my glory. So I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar and will consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. Then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. They will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt so that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. So the tabernacle was, first of all, in the Old Testament, a place. It was a place that was given instructions to Abraham to build so that God could come and and hang out with them and be with them. Wherever they went, he went. Wherever he led them, they left and went. And you can see from the picture that's in your notes, the small picture there, in your notes, it was basically a big tent. Basically a big tent. It was a special tent but it was a big tent in exodus chapter 25 to 31 the bible records god's detailed instructions for how the tabernacle should be built including the materials to be used and the dimensions as well the exact dimensions in exodus chapter 35 to 40 Uh, we find a repeat of those instructions along with some additional insights about the power of God in the tabernacle. According to Exodus chapter 35, verses 20 to 29, all the materials were donated by the people, by the Israelites for the building and the setting up of the finer points of the tabernacle. Like it says in chapter 35 and verse 21, everyone who was willing... And whose heart moved them, came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work of the tent of meeting, for all its services, and for the sacred garments. So we also find chapter 35 and verse 29 says that every skilled woman spun with her hands and brought what she had spun. The tabernacle consisted of a portable tent and a wooden enclosure draped with indigo, purple, and scarlet curtains. The entire complex was surrounded by a rectangular fence made of fabric and poles. In the courtyard, between the fence and the tabernacle, there was a bronze altar for sacrificial offerings and a bronze water basin where the priests could wash. Its dimensions were 30 cubits wide and 10 cubits high. A cubit was an ancient measurement that's approximately equal to 18 inches. That means that the structure was approximately 45 feet long by 15 feet wide and 15 feet high. The tabernacle itself had two rooms in it. One was called the Holy Place and the other was called the Holy of Holies. And these were separated by a curtain, a goat-haired curtain. The holy place contained the altar of incense on the west, and the seven-branched menorah on the south, and the table for the showbread on the north. The Holy of Holies was a square-shaped inner room which housed the Ark of the Covenant, a gold-covered wooden box with two golden cherubs on top. Inside the Ark were the tablets of the Ten Commandments that Moses brought down from Mount Sinai. So we've been looking just really briefly, but we've been looking at a place, a place where God could meet with His people, where they could come and hang out with Him. But... It's interesting, we'll find out in a little bit, there were some stipulations about who could go into the holy place and who could go into the holy of holies. The holy place was reserved for the priests and the holy of holies was reserved for the high priest one day a year. That was it. Nobody else could go in there. And you couldn't mess with the ark. If you touch the ark, you die. Kind of serious so you have a place for God to meet secondly today in your notes there is a person through whom to meet with God a person in John chapter 1 verses 1 to 4 the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was God he was in the beginning with God all things came into being through him And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Then in verse 14, it says that the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. Again, he came to dwell among us. The word dwelt in the Greek is Kineo, which means to dwell or to tabernacle. He, Jesus, took on the tent of human flesh and made his tabernacle or pitched his tent amongst us where you could not touch the ark in the Old Testament or you would die, Jesus invited people to come and touch him. He invited people to come close to him. He invited people to come and make contact with him. Remember when Jesus was traveling with his disciples and there was a huge throng surrounding him And as they were going along, a woman who had been sick for years and years and years, she spent all of her money on all of the treatment she could could afford and didn't have any left. And she thought, if I can just touch him. And the Bible says that she came and just touched his garment. Didn't even touch him, touched his garment. And Jesus turned around and responded to her and wanted to know, who touched me? Who touched me? So in the Old Testament, they had a tabernacle, untouchable. They had a tabernacle where God met with the people, but they, they didn't have this kind of relationship. In the New Testament, they have Jesus. Jesus who comes, who, who can talk to them and they can talk to him. Jesus whom they can spend time with. And Jesus whom they can touch. They can touch. There is a fascinating teaching that translates the Old Testament tabernacle with the New Testament tabernacle. Jesus. Not many know of what it is, but the disciples sure understood it. When Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, he said the following, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus answered, Without me, no one can go to the... Father. You see we understand that Jesus is the way, we understand that Jesus is the truth and we understand that Jesus is the life and we understand fully that without Jesus you can't get to heaven. Jesus is the only one. Jesus is the way without which there's no going. Jesus is the truth without which there's no knowing. And Jesus is the life without which there is no living. Anyway, when you think about Jesus as being the way, the truth, and the life, the disciples and the other, others around Jesus who were listening, they heard what he said, and it meant a whole wonderful, powerful, truthful uh, thing concerning the tabernacle, concerning the tabernacle. Look at the symbols of the tabernacle and see how specific Jesus was when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. First of all, the way. In rabbinical tradition, as well as the teaching, the entrance into the outer court, the outer court of the tabernacle was identified as the way. The way. And uh, it was there in this place that the altar of judgment and sacrifice was waiting. Waiting for the animals to come and be sacrificed and the basin for the priests to wash. The place where the sins of the Israelites were atoned for. They were covered at that point. And then a place also called Calvary where Jesus died for our sins to forgive us our sins, past, present, and future. So when Jesus said, I am the way, he was referring back and giving a picture of, I'm the tabernacle, I am the way. The truth, the truth. Rabbinical teaching and tradition teaches that the holy place of the tabernacle is the truth. The holy place is the truth. Herein was contained the seven-branch menorah, the table of showbread, which is a picture of communion, and the altar of incense, depicting the prayers of the saints. Only members of the priestly tribe were allowed to enter the place, the holy place. Only a priest could go in there of the tribe of Aaron. But, I've got good news for you. Through Jesus through Jesus in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, it says of believers who put their trust in Jesus, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are a priesthood. That's one reason why as we have taught in the past, we believe that every child of God, everyone who puts their trust in Jesus, not only becomes a saved child of God, but we also believe that you have priestly priestly abilities. The truth, the truth instills a precious hope of a promised future as we look forward to Jesus' return and to the blessings of heaven. Truth. The thing that's required for the outer court is faith. Faith is essential with regard to the sacrifice. Faith in Jesus is the only thing that can save you. In the holy place, truth truth provides hope. Hope in the promises and the goodness of God. And then third, there's the life. The life. Rabbinical teaching again and some of the traditions, they speak of the Holy of Holies as being the tabernacle, the life. The life. It was between the truth and the life, the holy place and the Holy of Holies, that the veil was torn in two pieces when Jesus died on the cross. So no more denied access, no more denied the presence of God. We can come into His presence, but it's much better than that. He comes into our presence. He comes into our presence. Before in the Old Testament tabernacle, only the high priest could go in there for once a year at Yom Kippur. And they would tie a rope to the guy's ankle. And they would put little bells on his feet. So if his bells quit dinging, they could pull him out. Because they couldn't go in there. They couldn't go in there, so they took precautions. Uh, but you don't need any rope. You don't need any bells on. Nothing like that. Amen. Just walk right into the very presence, the very throne room of God, according to the New Testament. This place of holiness, this holy of holies, is a unique place. It's the place that I think Psalm 91 was describing. 91 and verse 1, where where the Bible says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The life that we have is because of the love of Jesus. The way requires faith truth brings hope and the way or the life at the end there is the very love of Christ the intimacy, the love of Christ I think of 1st Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5 he says there is one God and one mediator between God and man the man Christ Jesus consider this from 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13. I'm going to read it in the Amplified Version, Classic Edition, because it really helps us to understand. We talked about the way, and the way becomes yours as a result of faith. We talked about truth, and the truth produces hope. And then we talked about life, the life of Jesus that is... Love, His amazing love. But listen to this in, in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, So faith, the outer court, hope, the holy place, love, the holy of holies, abide. Faith, conviction and belief respecting man's relation to God and divine things. Hope, joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation and love. True affection for God and men, growing out of God's love for us and in us. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Now before we go any further, a lot of people come into the way and receive Christ as Savior and Lord, but that's where they stop. There's an awful lot of Christians that spend their time hanging out by the way (laughs) and we need to encourage people to move on into truth and move on into the love of Christ. Move from this outer court into the holy place, into the holy of holies. He was speaking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who would, who would come and, and descend upon us. So the third point today, the third point today is that we have a people we have a people in whom God lives. When it comes to Jesus, I think of that Christmas song, you know, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. People had to go to the tabernacle. People had to go to Jesus, or Jesus had to come by them. But now we have a whole unique and a different situation because God has a people in whom He lives and dwells. People, believers, in whom God's tabernacle, God's dwelling is. God's dwelling is no longer at a place. God's dwelling is no longer in a person. His dwelling is within people who have faith in the way, hope in the holy place, and love from the holy of holies. Jesus told his disciples in Acts chapter 1 verses 4 and 5. He said, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, and you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Speaking about the Holy Spirit that he would send to them, that he would give them as a gift, which he did do at Pentecost. By the way, Jesus died once for all time. The Holy Spirit came once for all time. Every time you get saved, the Holy Spirit doesn't come zipping down from heaven. No, he came one time and we partake of what God did. We partake of the blessings that God gave us. Same thing with the cross. Same thing with the tabernacle. Same thing with the tabernacle. Notice John chapter 14. John 14 verses 15 through 18. He says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Here Jesus promises the Holy Spirit along with himself. Jesus said, I'll send the Spirit and the Spirit and I will come and hang out in you. Look at the promise and the blessing of Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. He says, you too. Heard the word of truth in Christ, which is the good news of your salvation. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit because you believed in Christ. Going back just for a moment, going back to John 14 to verse 23, we are reminded of the incredible truth that God in three persons will come and make their abode, their dwelling in us. Not just the Holy Spirit and Jesus. But God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, God in His totality is going to come and hang out in you as a believer. It says, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. We will come. I just think it's absolutely amazing. You know, the tabernacle, He was untouchable. In Jesus, He was touchable. Mm -hmm. In the church, in us who believe, He's penetratable. Mm -hmm. Comes to live inside every one of us. God lives in you if you believe. Check out John chapter 16, verses 5 through 7 and 13 to 15. He says, but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I say that, said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Please listen to this great promise. This great promise in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16. He says, For we, we, all of us, we are the sanctuary of the living God. As God said, I will dwell among them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. But he won't just be with us. He is in us. In us. I'm telling you, uh, as a Christian, 2024 is a year filled with walking with God. As a Christian, pay attention. As a Christian, listen. As a child of God, recognize God is with you. God is there 24-7. God is prepared to meet you, to talk with you, to give you his instructions and direction. So follow through on that. What a blessing. What a huge promise this is from God. No place in the desert to which we must go to meet God. No person on the planet to whom we must go physically and touch him for his favor. No. He has come to dwell in us. Anywhere, anytime, and for any reason to dwell in us. Where do you have to go to call out to God? Nowhere. Where do you have to go to have a communion with God? Nowhere. What building do you have to go to? None. What place do you have to go to? None. What person do you have to go to? I think it's interesting and sometimes I think it's a little bit funny because there are occasions when, when uh, people will talk to me and they'll say, Pastor, you pr- please, will you pray for me because you're closer to God. Yeah. And I, 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 I try to tell them, you know, I got skin on just like you. <laughs> We're in the same boat. That's why it's called a fellowship. (laughs) You can go just as far as I can go. You got God in you just like I got in me. No person, no place, anywhere, anytime. This blessing can also be a curse. It can be a curse because you have all that you need. You already have His presence. You don't need to go anywhere for that. You already have his peace that surpasseth understanding. You don't have to go anywhere for that. Mm-hmm. You already have his professor, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit, as your teacher. Yeah. So, all of this huge blessing can be a curse because a lot of people, a lot of Christians, they know they've got it. So, they have no need for gathering together with God's people. I remind you, the tabernacle was called the tabernacle where God met with his people. It was also called the tent of meeting. The tent of meeting. So we too have here a tent of meeting. In the New Testament, it's called the church. And the church is made up of believers. And we come and gather together and reflect on this amazing, amazing blessing. You have everything except each other. You need each other. The Bible makes it clear that you cannot perform one of all of the multitudes of one another's that are in the Bible without one another. Some of the one another's are a little funny, you know, like greet one another with a holy kiss. Well, in in where I grew up, that was acceptable and uh, very, very appropriate. But in our culture, it's a little weird. So greet one another with a holy handshake, you know, or or a hug or something. But there's all those one another's in the New Testament that you can't do. Mm -hmm. You can't do without another. And you think, well, I've got a buddy. I've got a special friend. My wife is a believer, so I can just hang out with her. I'll give her a hug. And it's not the same. It's not the same. It's true she's a believer. It's true we have this fellowship together, but God calls us to come together to the place where the tent of the meeting is to hear from Him. I want you to look at the emphasis of this truth. The individual believer. <clears throat> the individual believer in First Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. He says, or do you not know, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? You're not your own, talking individually to individual Christians. Earlier, however, in Corinthians chapter 1, in verses 3 through 15, 315 rather, in 16, He's talking about the whole group of us, the whole church. He says the following, Do you not know that you are, you plural, are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And then he says this, If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy and that is what you are, plural. You're the temple of God. Don't mess with the temple. Don't cause division in the temple. Don't cause in the church, and the temple, people to be left behind. So take good care of yourself. Take good care of your body. The Spirit of God, the Jesus, the Holy One, God Himself, dwell in your body. Take care of that. And then take care of His church. He dwells in his body, our bodies, and he dwells in the tent of meeting where we gather. I want to leave you today with this benediction a benediction from Romans 15, 13, where Paul says, I pray that God, the source of all hope, will infuse your lives with an abundance of joy and peace in the midst of your faith so that your hope will overflow through the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that as God has chosen to tabernacle in you, I pray that next year will be a year full of great blessing, a year full of great opportunity. And a year in which you will find more and more of the significance of His dwelling within you. This morning, if you have not received Christ, that's critical. You have to come through the way by faith into the truth and receive hope into His love. All three are necessary as you continue to grow in your relationship with Him. But it starts by by coming to Christ. And so if you have not received Christ, I invite you today to simply pray and say, will you, Lord, forgive me of my sins? Thank you for dying for me. And just declare, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And then after the service, please be sure and come and share that with me. And also, after the service today if any of you desire prayer for whatever reason I just invite you to come over I'll be at the chair over there and you can join me and I'll gladly pray with you for God to bless and bring great, great encouragement to your life and healing we thank you Father for this day, we thank you that you've chosen the tabernacle in us we thank you that we don't have to run anywhere We thank we're thankful Lord that we don't miss out on you as you as you are not here we're so thankful that you Jesus said it's to our benefit if you go and so you went and in going you came to live in us what an amazing amazing truth Father we pray your blessing on this day we thank you for your faithfulness we thank you so much For your Holy Spirit, we thank you for your faithfulness all year long and for what you're going to do next year in Jesus' name.